0: This episode contains discussion about violent content and domestic violence. Listener discretion is advised.
1: This is the only, like, will they, won't they in the whole season. It's just that it's about the murder of Lestat (laughs) rather than are they going to make out or not. Well, murder is their love language.
2: (laughs) (laughs) This is the AMC Plus interview with the Vampire podcast. And I'm your host, Naomi McPeregan, writer, comedian, and vampire queen. Yes, I'm claiming that title. Each week, we talk about the latest episode of AMC's twisty adaptation of Interview with the Vampire. And you guys, today is the big one the finale. Okay, I'm so sorry. I just can't even say it without getting a little sad. This finale is titled The Thing Lay Still, but I've decided to rename this episode Nasty Little Beasts with Excellent Tailoring. In this episode, we welcome back our very sensitive boys and kings of the Commonwealth, Jacob Anderson and Sam Reed. I think we need some impromptu couples counseling for them. And after that, we check in one last time with resident horror expert Tanana Reev Du, a UCLA professor of black horror. Seriously, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers are coming. So get out while you can.
3: Can an immortal meet
4: mortality? Theoretically, it can be done. Starvation. Deny the body the blood. Drink the blood of the dead. But could it be done by us to him? Could the children murder the father?
2: This finale is all about the plan to kill Lestat. And it seems the only option is to throw an elaborate Mardi Gras party where they invite the whole city and have that lead to a massacre of all their enemies, which will enable them to poison Lestat. You know, the classic murder plot. The plan is really Claudia's, because she knows she can't trust Louis, because Louis is still so in love that Claudia's like, you know what, why don't you go be in love with him while I handle the killing plot? Of course, being in love with Lestat is what Louis does best, and they end up dancing and making out in front of the entire upper crust of Storyville. Despite all the darkness, this moment is so tender, you almost wish these two crazy immortal kids could make it work. Now, after the main party, there's the exclusive after party, where they massacre everybody. It is insane and bloody and also gorgeous. Louis is encouraging Lestat to drink this one guy, the guy they think they poisoned. And then Lestat's like, uh, and you know what happens? You know who walk in. He made Antoinette a vampire so she could listen in on their telepathic conversations. Antoinette should honestly write a memoir titled From Nine Fingered Side Piece to Vampire Busybody. But before you think Lestat has won this chess match, there's another twist. Claudia knew Antoinette was watching and listening all along. And Lestat's already drunk the blood of the dead. It's on Louis now to finish it. He's got to slit his throat. And at first, Lestat's all like, I'm glad it was you at the end. But I'ma tell you what though, it ain't really the end because Louis cannot bring himself to burn Lestat's body. Instead, he just puts his body in a coffin and puts it out with the trash. Honey, I've seen seven episodes of Interview with a Vampire. I know that ain't enough. And in the present, so does Danny Malloy, who's even like, girl, what you think you did? Louis, of course, can't take any pushback, and that's when Rashid comes to his defense. Y'all, he ain't no butler. he's the vampire Armand. The vampire Armand, who is also the love of Louis's life. Y'all, y'all, I almost fell out. So many twists and turns in this episode, your girl got vertigo. Thankfully, we have Jacob Anderson and Sam Reed on the podcast to give us some answers. Louis and Lestat reunited, and it feels so good. Let's get into it. Jacob Anderson, Sam Reed, thank you for coming back on the pod and gracing us with your presence. Thanks
1: for having us. Thanks for having us, Naomi.
2: We have much to discuss. All right. Okay, because I was shooketh, okay? It was which means I was shook on a Shakespearean <laughs> level, okay? That's what it is to be shooketh. <laughs> and can you tell me what were each of your reactions when you read this script?
1: I got very confused about who knows what at what point. <laughs> I did, well, actually, all I knew was that Louis knows nothing, <laughs> I was very little. I had so many questions to, for Roland
5: when he when it arrived because to kill a vampire and to kill a vampire, let's start arsenic and laudanum isn't enough. You know, you do have to either behead him or you know drain him full of blood, then burn the body and all this kind of stuff. And so I wasn't sure. You know, are they actually trying to kill? him or not and i think that's kind of what transpires throughout the episode
1: even though it's it's not in a romantic context this is the only like will they won't they in the whole season yeah. it's just that it's about the murder of lestat <laughs> rather than are they going to make out or not <laughs> <laughs> well murder is their love language isn't it absolutely absolutely
2: yeah. <laughs> not
5: each other <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Lestat does drop him from the height of a 747.
2: <laughs> oh, God, don't get me started. <laughs> yeah. It's like, cloud gift. How beautiful. And then, so, you know, he's like, I'm going to drop you from the sky. So it's like, well, savage, savage. <laughs> yeah. Jacob, why do you think Louis agrees to kill Lestat with Claudia?
1: I think there, there comes a point where Louis realizes that this relationship is destroying their lives. And I kind of think he knows that the only way for he and Claudia to actually be free or have any kind of uh, semblance of freedom is they have to take him off the board. It's the only way they're going to get out of that house and out of New Orleans. And I think it's it's not something that he's comfortable with. And I think throughout episode seven, he's he's kind of constantly like on the edge of changing his mind Mm -hmm. and he does it for claudia i think more than for himself
2: it's interesting you say that though for claudia because if there's one thing that i got out of seven is that like claudia taking care of her damn self okay claudia said i have a plan (laughs) you two are too messy i'm gonna have to be in control of this situation
5: yeah (laughs) 100%. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I mean, I think what I really like also about this episode with Claudia and Lestat's relationship is that I think they are a good match for each other. And I think Lestat does respect Claudia actually, particularly once he realizes what she's done and the plan, you know, and, and you know, as she's stomping the crap out of Antoinette's head, he sort of thinks, wow. <laughs> Just this, <laughs> this is she's quite... That's
2: my daughter. Yeah. That's my girl.
5: <laughs> it's a baller move from Claudia.
2: Yes, it's a baller move, but they're also trying to kill the stat.
5: But he understands why he has to die or why Louis has to kill him. I mean, I think he... You know, it's like probably the only point in the whole show where he has a tiny sliver of humility, really. You know, and he has to be, like, poisoned and on his knees and have a knife at his throat and kind of totally incapacitated for that to happen. And so... I think he knows deep down that Claudia can actually probably give Louis maybe something that he can't give him, which is, you know, a sense of purpose, perhaps.
1: And also like a sense of consistency, right? (laughs) Yeah, okay, sure. (laughs) Because Lestat's definitely not consistent. No, he's very chaotic. (laughs) It's always on his terms, whereas Louis and Claudia are fairly successful at living this kind of slightly domestic situation where they can be a family.
2: Yeah. Sam, you talked about this moment of humility that Lestat has. But to that I say, Antoinette? Really? <laughs> How do you think Lestat justifies this betrayal of Louis? Discuss. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Discuss.
5: <laughs> um, look, I'm not going to try and justify. I don't think he his actions are justified. But... I would say that Lestat needs to be loved. Mm-hmm. That's sort of like he needs that. He really needs adoration and worship, and he needs those things. He needs. He need. That's how he feels justification. I mean, he loves Louis, but also Louis and Claudia have their own bond that he is alienated from, and he wants them to stay together, and he wants the family to stay together. But he also does feel a little bit left out from that bond, mm-hmm. and so you know he goes to Antoinette. And he keeps going back to Antoinette to get that sort of adoration and um, to have that, to have a different type of relationship that he's not getting from Louis. And that's what he needs. Right. It's not great. <laughs> I wouldn't condone it. I, I'm not condoning it. But, but that's, you know, that's what he needs. And he does say that very early on. He, you know, he makes his point to Louis that, you know, he, sometimes he likes a little variety and he, 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 he's not saying he doesn't love him any less, but he's not necessarily a monogamous guy but he is monogamous of the heart. Mm, okay. <laughs> you, know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, I think that the main deceit is also that he said that he's killed Antoinette and he, and he hasn't. You yeah. know, that's, that, is, that is deceitful. But it also goes to show that he can't kill her. Mm-hmm. You know, I always wonder about his relationship with her, whether he really likes her mm-hmm. or he just likes her music or, you know, she's a perfect vessel for him to write music through and give to Louis.
2: You know, that's just,
1: she's so deeply fucked up. Yeah, just, yeah, I know. I think that's one of the more fucked up elements of the whole show, really.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He definitely finds a function for Antoinette.
2: I was wondering, like, did Lestat turn Antoinette? simply to use her to, you know, listening on these conversations, you think? Because again, this all happens off screen, so it's kind of left up to us. But I wondered if it was just that or because they do have this connection over years and Lestat says she'll be better for us to Louis. You know, like she'll be better for our dynamic.
5: Um, I'd say, yeah. Yeah, he did do that for that reason. And I think he makes that decision up when he knows that Claudia and Louis are outside the room in episode six, listening and he says i love you to antoinette and she says i love you to Lestat, because he knows they're outside the door listening i think he makes that decision there and then this is going to be the the thing that gives me the power back Mm -hmm. because i'm i'm now left out of this relationship and so he yeah he he's you know he's a user and an abuser unfortunately
2: Uh, ain't that the truth
1: i don't know what he's talking about as well you know and he's like the three of us will be much better together I think like at that moment Louis would be like, What are you talking about? Her.
0: <laughs>
2: Definitely. Yeah. I really felt like I was like, I was like, Antoinette, you was a side piece for like 30 years. And it's like, girl, <sighs> you don't have to be in mm. the thrall of this vampire mm. man. Mm.
1: But this is this is part of the trap though, right? Of the of the vampire bond, which I guess is is also a proxy for love, for like deep, real love. There are so many reasons why these characters shouldn't be together. And it's probably the same for Antoinette, right? She will have a version of the vampire bond with Lestat. It might not be as deep as it is with Louis, but she's stuck in that trap. She's, she's attached to him forever. Well, until she dies. Isn't. <laughs> yeah. But, like, but th- I think that's why it's, it's why Louis has to kill him to free his family, to free him and Claudia, but also why he can't kill him it's like this cycle that can only really be broken with eternal death, (laughs) Uh, actual, real death. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. Mm. Let's talk about, though, what it takes for Louis to extricate himself from Lestat. They need to throw a huge ass party, which means they need to step out of their vampire lair and interact with the rest of the city, which they have not done in years. Mm. So let's listen to a little clip with our dear, sweet Tom Anderson. Somehow managed to survive. I didn't see it coming. I said, I thought he'd be dead by episode four. (laughs) And he the only one left. Let's just listen to this.
4: I don't see it as it's been 17 years since we've spoken. What makes you think I give a corn peppered shit?
5: We'd like to engage your services, Mr. Anderson.
4: We want to throw a Mardi Gras ball.
5: Pay our respects to society before
4: moving on. <clears throat> mm, where to start? Uh, one, not in the party planning business. Two, it's January. You're a little bit behind the gun. And three, this is me and your two-tone daddies circa 1910. Just one question before I attempt your no doubt humiliating and reputation destroying ask. Where do you meet the devil? And what are the terms of the agreement?
1: Mm. Can I just I just wanna give Chris Stack a huge shout out. His Tom Anderson is incredible. Yeah, he's amazing. He's he's distracting sometimes how brilliant he is, Hmm. and so good at kind of grounding this world, grounding some of the fantasy in in reality. This scene, you can really feel like this could have happened. Mm. Like this could have happened and been buried. It's such a sad scene (laughs) for Tom Anderson.
2: (laughs) I know. (laughs) Also, I think what you get and what I find to be so relatable to today is you just see the extent to which people can be bought Mm. and you see the extent to which wealthy people will let anything slide as long as they get to maintain their power
1: yeah he tries to buy eternal life in this scene one of my favorite things that i think i didn't really realize until we were shooting that scene is that like louis gives tom this little smile we tried it different ways we did like a little wink and a little like nose tap Mm -hmm. and it's like The tables have turned (laughs) from the beginning. This is something that Tom Anderson wants from Louis, and he Mm -hmm. can't have it. Yeah. I think Tom Anderson is realizing that he's going to die soon. (laughs) He's at the end of his life. And the people you step on on the way up, you're going to see him again on the way down. Yeah, And I think Louis is one of those people.
2: Yeah, yeah. There's also something that I feel like I clocked more in hearing this clip was that little cough. From Tom Anderson, right? Ooh. Just a touch of a cough. And you know back in the day, honey, if you coughed, you were about to die. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> Don't be coughing. <laughs> how much of this, though, this party planning, you know, this this long, long con, how much of this is also about getting revenge on the city, in a way?
5: Yeah, 100%. It's like a coming out sort of celebration. They've been there for too long. They've overstayed their welcome. They've got all these rumors around them. And if they're going to leave, you know, they may as well have this, like, big here we are, we're monsters, and and this and we're everything you thought we were. We'll go without the blood for three nights preceding the ball.
3: At the ball, Louis and I will be following your Lira now.
4: Maybe pluck one or two for ourselves. We'll ask them if they want to be young forever.
3: And if they say yes, we'll pin them with one of these. Mm. I'm right. Perfection. We'll invite them to our home. We will lock the door, shut the windows, and. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: And let the flesh instruct the mind.
2: Let the flesh instruct the mind.
4: Let the flesh instruct the mind.
2: Can we talk a little bit about this party? I just love that, like, if you're going to kill Lestai... You are serving drama. You are serving one night only. You are serving quick changes. (laughs) That's the only way to get his guard down, is to give him that show.
5: Lots of costumes. That he loves so (laughs) much. Yeah, so it is actually quite joyous in that regard, even though... You know, (laughs) eating a prop baby in front of (laughs) it was so extra. It's so extra.
2: And I wrote, the vibe has shifted. That's what I wrote in my notes. Because I was like, we're (laughs) all having fun until he eats a prop baby. And everyone's like, ew, (laughs) this is ruined. (laughs) You You have
1: to speak in the language of Lestat in order to
5: disarm him. I mean, obviously, this is the double blind of the episode. So this is so confusing to shoot because Lestat is aware of the trick right. from the very beginning.
2: But the plan gets messy, largely because Louis is having a hard time going through with it. Mm. And it also seems like he's sad to be leaving not just Lestat, but leaving New Orleans.
1: I think as well, for, for in terms of it being like a, a farewell to New Orleans, I think like Louis has lost touch with New Orleans. He's like become a complete hermit. He has no ties anymore. Mm -hmm. Part of him falling in love with Lestat again, I think is also him falling in love with the city again. And there's this really like bittersweet moment where Louis realizes on the balcony, the, the beautiful way that these ideas kind of coexist now. Lestat and New Orleans are synonymous with each other. It's not just about his human existence. This is like the end of the first chapter of his vampire existence and it's really desperately sad i think he's like devastated to be leaving the city
5: i'm gonna miss this place there's not an inch of this city that wasn't built from the fierce wilderness that surrounds it hurricanes floods fevers The damp climate on every painted sign, every stone facade. High windows, through which enameled bits of civilization glitter. Silhouettes emerging, wandering out to catch a silent flash of lightning. The sucky warmth of summer rain, desperately alike. And desperately fragile. The last dance before the feast. I like that.
4: I'd like that very much. So much would be written about that grim night in New Orleans, but not a single mention of our last hour at Latrobe's. Trobe's. As if the only crime unfit to print took place on that dance floor. It was my sole duty to distract Lestat. But in his mirrored eyes, the distraction reflected back onto me and in the dead center of the whispering gallery, I lost the thread to my plotting and fell once more into the well with no bottom. I was his and he was mine. Oh. <laughs>
2: Louis and Lestat kiss in front of everybody. To me, that was just emblematic of the extent to which both Louis and Lestat have lost the thread to their plotting, yeah, right? Because they wouldn't have done that in front of everybody.
5: Definitely, yeah. I mean, I think that they they transcend society by this point. They don't need to be a part of it. They've been a part of it because probably that's what Louis wanted and Lestart was having a good time. It was a great place to hunt, but you know, they can go anywhere and do anything. They don't need this society anymore, but they really need each other. You know, Lestart's aware they're going to try and kill him, and that's what he says to him. When he's talking about something else, he's saying that to him on the balcony. You know, he's saying, I know you're gonna kill me. Oh, I know you're trying to kill me. But we love each other or we did once, you know. Do you wanna try and do it again? And shall we dance together, you and me alone. They're not kissing in front of anyone for anyone but themselves. And I think, you know, it's 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 very sad, really.
1: It is, it's desperately sad. I'll say yeah.
2: watching this in that scene, there was a part of me was like, Oh, I wish they could have been that. You know, like, I wish that had been their relationship.
1: I think they do as well, right? Yeah, yeah. And I love the disappointment as well. Like, I love the disappointment in, like, the only crime unfit to to print took place on that dance floor. Mm -hmm. There's this horrific event that happens that night. And there's this one pure moment, this one loving, pure thing in this room full of, like, dirty people. There's something really clean and simple about love and that is the thing that is so loaded with shame and disgust is the the one thing that isn't hubris (laughs) that's why claudia comes in and is like remember why we're here look around you look at him yeah again i think it's a really it's it's beautiful but it's really sad Mm -hmm. it's just it's there's so much sadness in this in this episode as crazy as it gets hmm.
2: Well, let's talk about how crazy it gets, because after this, we get to our killing scene, which is so brutal, so violent, mm-hmm. ripping off a jaw, like mauling people like it's. <laughs> can you talk a little bit about actually shooting that? How many nights was that? How long did it take? Did you smell like corn syrup for days?
5: <laughs> we shot it over a long time. It was like two weeks, three weeks or something. Yeah, I mean, it, was, it was all split oh, really? up over, yeah, there's lots of different segments. And we shot it over a couple of units. Yeah,
1: and, and it felt like the beginning yeah. of the end as well, yeah. shooting that.
5: And we spent days and days and days in these bloody shirts, which Jacob and I both still own. <laughs> that was the only thing we took. we took from the set. It's a metaphor for the the hold that this show has over us. I think but
1: is like, yours? Does yours fold? Mine, mine's so like crispy, like it's dried. Yeah, but I think mine is still just sweaty inside the plastic thing. Oh, like it's, I've taken it out of the plastic, yeah, so it
5: get moldy. I didn't dry it out. <laughs> yeah. But occasionally, de- depending on the weather, like mine will kind of like re dampen, and it will start Ew. to like you know movable again and then it will harden <laughs> it's a very strange Ew. object to have it's very weird it's very weird because <laughs> it's, so it's, it's it's mostly covered in mouth blood the shirt <laughs> The mouth blood is very different to the, the body and in, in clothes to blood. the body
2: blood. Yeah,
5: because the, the mouth blood has sort of got corn syrup in, and sweeteners in it and and it's oh. like sticky. and. <laughs> I don't know why I asked for that. I think I had an idea of, of framing it. I thought it would cool, look cool in a frame. Yeah.
2: Was that the only thing you took, you know, like as a little memento from your experience?
5: And the fangs. Yeah, we've got fangs. Which I don't know if we were allowed to do.
2: but The yeah. fangs you can keep. They're for your mouth. Do you know what I mean? Like they can't reuse them for something else.
5: Well, we can reuse them next season. Well,
2: but... sure. But then they just stay with you and then you, you pack your fangs. You pack your fangs. <laughs> yeah. Go through TSA. Yeah. Go through pre-check with that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and people are like, good Lord. Oh, no. Do you know what I have? I think I have the best prop. I have Louis de Lac's American Express card. That's cool. What? From 1976. Yeah. And Rollin texted me and was like, you asshole! (laughs) That's the one (laughs) thing I wanted. He's like, it's the one thing I wanted from the show. (laughs) And it's kind of like, print more. You're the
5: boss. (laughs) Surely they made more than one American Express card.
2: (laughs) I can't wait to sit down with Rollin because I'll really be able to hear him air his grievances. You know, he's going to say, Jacob took this for me. (laughs) (laughs) Was this the energy between you guys on set? I mean, you did night shoots, right? So I imagine it was like real loopy and punchy and fun.
1: This is... (laughs) This is what would you say like five thirty AM, Sam and Jacob. This is this is what <laughs> happens. Oh
2: God. I don't know how y'all did it. Night shoots. I mean, obviously you're doing it for so long that I'm assuming you just get used to living that reverse life, basically. No. Okay. You no, don't really you know, get used I'm
5: to it. Sorry. Sometimes you do watch the show and you you know and then you remember like, Oh, we shot that at like four o'clock in the mm, morning. Oof, it's oof. it's because you forget, but um
1: but we're vampires and it's important. It's important.
2: So. Yes, it is important.
1: But then there's there's also, you have to like factor in that at a certain point, you've done so many nights that it would be more destructive to do, to just switch to days. So like Dubai was all shot at night. It didn't need to be, but we shot the whole thing at night, partially because I was jumping between sets. So mm-hmm. that would have been <laughs> an, an actual nightmare.
2: <laughs> right, right.
1: So we just were just <laughs> night creatures for five, mm-hmm. six months.
2: My goodness, the method acting, the method acting, what had to happen, honey? Just, you know, we're talking about these crazy (laughs) nights and, you know, you guys having to live like these vampires, you know, IRL, of course, and how you would probably get a little loopy on set. And so (laughs) I'm wondering what you guys would do or how you would hang out on set. Is there hanging out or are you more like, okay, they're setting up the light. I got to go lay down. I can't with you right now.
1: No, we were pretty uh, inseparable. To be fair, <laughs> there was not really there. There wasn't really any hanging out. We just we just were. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> like at a certain point, we just were. <laughs> we didn't share a trailer, but it was like a wall separating us, uh-huh. and we just end up sitting on the stairs and. Or like texting each other <laughs> through, yeah. through, through the through the wall, wall. <laughs> just texting, yeah, all the time. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. We became a hive mind. <laughs> we did, yeah. <laughs>
2: were you still a hive mind once you wrapped? Would you like still like texting stuff? Yeah, yeah. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. We're going
1: to the theater tonight. <laughs> we've like we've, yeah. we've seen each other every day for the last what like week. Yeah, we're still choosing to spend time together. It's. Probably not very healthy. Yeah. (laughs) Very codependent.
2: No, it's beautiful. I love you too, and I love your love. (laughs) But okay, enough of this cuteness. We need to get back to the episode, which is not cute, because we still have a little more to get into, okay, before I let you boys go take your nap in your coffins. (laughs) As you both mentioned before, there is this question of who knows what when. It seems Louis don't know nothing. (laughs) And, you know, after this killing spree, we get this double reveal. Okay, both Antoinette is out here, a vampire, and listening to everybody. And Claudia knew this whole time. Lestat's been outsmarted. Mm. And Louis slits Lestat's throat. Let's listen to this clip. Louis.
5: We are joined by a court. By a court that you cannot see, but it is real. It is real. I have loved you with all my myself. I'm happy it was you. You're with me.
4: The blood poured out of him as it might never pour from a human being. All the blood he had filled himself with, he lay now on his back. His eyes staring wildly at the ceiling, the irises dancing from side to side. The thing lay still.
2: Yeah, we know he ain't dead. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Here's a question, though. If Claudia says where she's like, we have to burn him. Like, we have to burn him. And Louis basically like, I can't. I can't. Do you think this was always the plan? Meaning to just buy enough time for Louis and Claudia to get up?
1: No. To be honest, I think Louis is is so traumatized by the whole thing at this point that I think he's just kind of acting on instinct a lot. I don't think that he has that kind of Machiavellian sense. Mm-hmm. He's not a chess player, you know? Right. He, he's running on instinct. And I think it's just that thing that we talked about earlier that the vampire bond is stronger than anything you could imagine. There's, there's not really an easy way to comprehend it. On some level, it's kind of like if, if you end Lestat, you end Louis. But it's very difficult to sort of pinpoint why, in his guts, he can't do it. But it is like that's the frustrating thing, right, about the vampire bond. You, you kind of, you know it when you see it.
2: <laughs> right, right. Yeah,
1: and I
5: mean, I think he as does actually see it as a moment of intense love as well. Mm. He can see that it's not easy for Louis to kill him, but he also accepts it. You know, he's not fighting it. He sort of says, okay. Right.
2: I would like to play a clip of Daniel Malloy talking to Louis in the present day. And I got to tell you, I've never had a character say something that I wanted to say to the other characters so much. And that's why I love this clip.
4: (laughs) You don't need a memoir, Louis. You need a hundred sessions of EMDR. You know the shit they put soldiers through when they see one of their platoon buddies get blown up in front of them? You've only heard half the story. Stop. 144 years of life and you're still Louis the Pimp. Paying a whore to sit in a room and talk with you. Because why? You got some story you want to tell the whole world about yourself? When you hear it, you'll be ashamed. Ashamed of what you say to him Please now. stop, Rashid. Ten million dollars. That's my whore number. Career's been over for years. But an honest reckoning? No. This is the same shit that happened in San Francisco.
2: Well, Daniel Malloy's not wrong, okay? Because after this, we discover Rashid is our bond. <laughs> And I swear to God, when Louis said, the love of my life, I said, Louis, girl, you ain't learned nothing about nothing. Is Louis just one of these people who has to keep a man? Do you know what I mean? Look, someone who's like, I'm a chronic monogamous. Every hundred years, I have to have a boyfriend. (laughs) Louis don't need no love of his life. Louis need to love his damn self. Louis needs to stop being in relationships.
1: I I agree. I 100% agree. Mm -hmm. When he says, the love of my life. There's a little bit of a question mark in there
2: as well. Well, sure. Sure. There's an eye roll, a question mark, side <laughs> eye. What I come away with, and I think a lot of viewers, there's this question of Lestat and whether or not he is honest and the lies of omission. Yeah. But to me, this ending makes you sound to say, okay, well now, why has Louis been lying all this time? To me, I'm like, they're both unable to be honest with them, their own selves. You know what I mean? Let alone each other.
1: Yeah, I think that's I think that's it. Is it's just, it's protection They're they're protecting themselves right and he needs a lot of therapy and obviously this interview becomes that, yeah to a certain extent, but he's he's so traumatized at this point, his entire life has <laughs> has just been called into question he's exposed himself in a way that he he really didn't anticipate mm. at the beginning. this has not gone the way he planned, and not only that, but I think while daniel diagnoses it as like lying and and withholding i think there are things that just he, he blocked out I, th- mm. I think he really does believe what he's saying for the most part i think it's just that like there are moments throughout the season where he's coming to the realization that he's lying as he's doing it it's too disturbing to kind of like stop himself and go, Oh wait, hang on. No, maybe that didn't happen like that because it was too painful. He's, he's like on the verge of an episode at this point. He's, He's gone. He's like, he's starting to become detached from himself. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I I agree with Daniel, though, that maybe (laughs) Louis does need a bit of EDM. Is
5: it EDM? EDMR. That's electronic dance music. (laughs) He needs a bit of a night out. He just needs (laughs) needs to put some
1: headphones on.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Oh oh my gosh, Uh, yes. Louis needs a night out. Maybe Armand can plan a nice date night for them. But this makes me wonder, though, what does the reveal of Armand as the love of Louis' life, tell us about the love that Louis and Lestat had. Because most certainly, the first thing you know is that our mind has been content to spend this whole interview playing mm. what you think of as little more than a butler, right? Which we all know Lestat would have never, <laughs> okay? There is no way. Yeah,
1: and I- <laughs> Also, I should add that that is a pretty big lie that he's telling, (laughs) that they're both telling for this whole time. Uh Of course, that is the lie. That's the, that's a very conscious lie.
5: I, yeah, and I definitely don't, I mean, you know, just to uh, stand up for the start there. uh, Yes, yes, he wouldn't play a butler, but I don't think that is any kind of declaration of love by just saying like, sure, I'll be, I'll play your butler. So, you know, I mean. You no, know, he's a
1: spy as well. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, no, you're right. You're right. And I'm so sorry that I am just like, just putting Lestat through it. I'm very sorry.
5: But, <laughs> you haven't met Armand yet.
2: Well, <laughs> this is the thing. This is the thing. There's so much I need to know about him. I have so many questions about Armand. <laughs> now, knowing that we have a season two coming, Can you give us a little taste of what's to come? You know, certainly last we saw Lestat, he was, you know, in a garbage pile eating a rat. (laughs) And (laughs) Louis is with another messy bitch who lives for drama. (laughs) So what do we think?
1: We have to deal with the fallout now. Like, I think Louis and Claudia's dynamic is going to be very interesting after this. Essentially, Claudia was trying to protect both of them, and Louis threw it in her face, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's going to be an interesting thing to explore.
2: Yeah. Sam, do you think the stat is out for blood, you know, more than usual?
5: <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting. I don't really know. I don't really... Yeah, I don't... I mean, I know because I know what happens in this story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think what's going to be interesting is next season we're going to meet Armand. Ooh. And Armand, you know, is an old vampire. He, he knows all of the vampires so he's an interesting character to bring in because he he links a lot of other other vampires in the world to him so yeah i in terms of lestat i mean yeah i can i don't know if i could just <laughs> no
1: we need to stop some yeah <laughs> i can feel you like you're about to just stop yeah <laughs> uh
2: yeah <laughs> oh my god I just want to say you guys congratulations on a wonderful season congratulations on the season to come and thank you again for coming on the pod
1: thank you very much thanks for having thank us thank you thanks Naomi it's always a pleasure
2: oh I love those two so much do you think they'll kiss and make up in season two or is like slitting your lover's throat a step too far honestly with these two I don't know I feel like a good before play For any listeners who don't know, Armand is a super old, powerful vampire from Anne Rice's books. He was played by Antonio Banderas in the movie. But in this series, we have a very different version of the character. And if the books are any indication, I think he's going to play a very integral role in Louis and Lestat's future. But we aren't done yet, okay? Next up, I'm talking with Professor of Black Horror Tanana Du. I've got more questions about killing your maker and what that means for our vampires. Time to sit down and take some notes. Tananarive Duth. Thank you for coming back for our finale. Ooh. Oh my God. This is special. It's also it wild. I'm going to tell you there were twisted turns that I was not ready for. We just got to get to the big reveal. Okay. We have to start at the end because that's where my head's at. That's what I'm still processing. Okay. Let's listen to a clip.
4: Daniel Malloy. I'd like you to meet the vampire Armand, the love of my life.
2: What?!
0: Kind of sweet, though. Okay, what?!
2: Okay, no, (laughs) explain. I mean,
0: they look great together. (laughs) He cares so much about Louis. I like that he had a relationship with someone who actually cared about him Mm -hmm. and seemed to be caring about him from a healthier place than Lestat, which was about ownership and control and power. And this just, I thought it was cute!
2: (laughs) This man is over 300 years your senior. <laughs> I don't know. It-
0: <laughs> yeah, he's an older... He has a thing for older guys. That's true. But I really am going to lean in. I think that it's a healthier relationship. Listen, I think everyone deserves companionship. He can't really be in a true relationship with a human. That way is fraught with all kinds of issues. <laughs> you see what happened when he turned Claudia. So it's not that easy just to turn people to age with you, right? It's a whole thing. And where else should he end up but with an older
2: (laughs) vampire? I'm for it. I'm here for it. It's such a bombshell to me for the end of the season to bring him in. Mm -hmm. There's a whole lot of backstory
0: there in terms of Armand having a relationship with Lestat. And he's an older vampire. Love that he can walk in the sun. That is so huge (laughs) if you're a vampire (laughs) to be able to walk in the sun. So like... Lestat, he's a more advanced vampire than Louis, but those advancements feel more healthy and nurturing
2: in that relationship than it did with Lestat and Louis. But is this idea of ancient vampires having even more powers, is this something that's unique to Anne Rice or very common in the genre?
0: I think that people who are creating monsters, it would be pretty common that the longer you're in that state, the more you would A, learn how to manage it, and B, you would be able to focus more to. become more powerful Mm -hmm. it's the opposite of humans we get less powerful (laughs) at least physically yeah we get worse Yeah, yeah yeah more feeble and we don't remember as well and whatever and i think the joy of being a monster i guess is that it's the opposite especially if you're a vampire you can become even grander
2: but as you said this whole ability to walk in the sun you know this to me fundamentally changes what it is to be a vampire Once you have that ability, you're just a human with a sexy secret. Uh, A sexy bitey secret, yes. (laughs) But you're right. Of the two things
0: that would be most troubling about being a vampire, one, the need to kill and feast on human blood. Mm -hmm. And secondly, the inability to see the sun in many ways. I think, I mean, maybe I shouldn't say this. I think I could get used to the hunting aspect (laughs) faster than I could get used to not seeing the sun. because I need my sun. I was born in Miami. I live in Southern California. (laughs) Like we need sun. We need the sun. And that would be really, really hard. So good for them if that's what happens.
2: Right. I will say this reveal of Armand, it is just another lie, you know, by omission that Louis is perpetrating in this entire interview with Malloy. And not just lie by omission, but it's a it's a performance. Mm. Rashid slash Armand is playing. And I just kind of felt like, why well, played Malloy for so long? That's a good question. Uh, part of it
0: might be the reticence not wanting to completely open up. And, you know, I'm going to take another take on this because I was a journalist. <laughs> Journalists are nosy as hell. And really, it's <laughs> not anyone's responsibility to tell a journalist everything. You know, nobody owes a journalist everything because they're not always going to treat you well. They're filtering it through their own kind of biases and their own interpretations of what happened. So it's smart, actually, to hold it a little bit back. (laughs) Uh, Yes, tell the truth, but you don't have to tell everything. Now, the performance aspect, though, is very interesting because I think that speaks to Malloy's feeling that Louis isn't being truthful with him and why he does press so hard, right? About, well, what about those missing pages and who are you really? And all these sorts of skeptical questions and and probing questions, probably wondering himself, why is he even talking to me? What does he even want from me? And the performance, it further tells this sort of narrative that Louis is this solitary, grieving soulful vampire Mm -hmm. who just wants to unload his story for whatever reasons. But when you realize he's actually in, like, a real relationship with this very powerful vampire, (laughs) he is locked into vampire culture. He is not an outsider. Okay? He is all the way in. Mm -hmm. And that's a very different picture
2: (laughs) than what he was painting throughout the rest of the series. What do you make of Claudia being the driving force behind the plan to kill Lestat? I mean she's become a mastermind. Oh, yeah. Did you think that that was where she would be? I really didn't. I will say that. Like, I didn't think that Claudia was going to be the smartest one in the group.
0: Yeah, the most cunning. To me, it tracks because of Claudia's stormy relationship with Lestat. Mm -hmm. She has probably been fantasizing about ways to kill him for a long, long time, where Louis would not have even heard of it or thought about it or wanted to know about it, right? Let's face it. Lestat was never a proper parent to her. He mm-hmm. tolerated her, I think, at best early on. But then their relationship became very contentious and openly yeah. contentious. And after a while, he did to Louis. I think that's what sealed it, yeah. dropping Louis like that. Mm-hmm. When she realized Lestat was capable of that kind of violence toward her father, the one who really cares about her, that was it for her. And she mm-hmm. was probably trying
2: to plot how to kill him from then on. Yep. From the moment Louis fell from the sky... She looked up at Lestat and said, I'm going to get you. I'm
0: going to get you. And also, there's something about youth that is fearless. So if you take out the romance and you take out the, the sex and everything, what Claudia is, is just someone who's like, "Okay, this guy's a jerk. I hate him. He has to die. It's just like this sort of fearless leap that she's making, despite
2: whatever the bond is. What do you make of Claudia's plan? I felt this plan was very Very complicated. It's complicated. It's one big chess game, baby. It's all a game. Do you think this is the end of Louis and Lestat's romance? I think the love
0: part is done. The love part was barely there for Louis, especially when you take out the vampire attraction and when you add up all the events over the course of this so-called relationship. Hell no. Louis is not thinking about taking Lestat back, although I do feel like the door has definitely been left open for a return from Lestat because of the mm-hmm. unresolved way that he was disposed of. I just don't think the door to Louis's heart is open in the slightest.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, this is our last episode. This is our last time together until season two. Aw. I know. And so, you know, I just want to close out with a couple of hard-hitting questions. Okay, hit me. Hit me. If you were Louis, would you have gone through with killing Lestat? Meaning, would you have taken it past the symbolic throat slice? I like to think
0: yes, but I fear perhaps no. Oh. That's the that's the problem with a codependent relationship. <laughs> killing Lestat might f- really feel like killing a piece of yourself. And when you add the vampire bond to that maybe I wouldn't have been able to pull it off, but man, do I like to think I would have. (laughs) I like that version of me a lot better.
2: Exactly, exactly. The strong version (laughs) of ourselves. The listening to Lizzo on loop version of ourselves. Said I'm shutting it down. Exactly. My final question. What would your preferred method of killing a vampire be?
0: Mm. I love the idea of drinking the blood of the dead. I mean, they say that women murderers prefer poison. Yes, Mm -hmm. less messy. And I can see why. Because I am not about to try to decapitate someone. (laughs) Burning sounds good, but it's not that easy if you don't have an incinerator. Okay. It's like a whole thing. Like you spray them with gasoline, light them on fire, they go racing around, they might get out. You know, it's just too much. Yeah,
2: unwieldy. But the drinking of the
0: dead, hey, now come on. You could just sprinkle a little dead blood in a microwave meal, you know. (laughs) (laughs) If they're
2: eating that, they don't even know it. You know, I mean, that that sounds easy. Oh, my God. You're like, you're like, Lestat, would you like this lean cuisine? I've drizzled some blood of the dead on it.
0: I mean, tea or coffee, they might be onto that. You know, if it's a contentious <laughs> relationship, you don't want to be obvious with it. Like, wine, like, they might have you drink it mm-hmm. first. But a microwave meal, like, it's their favorite one. And you stick it right in the front. <laughs> one of the ones where you just heat it one time. You don't have to heat it halfway and stir it up. Just like, yep. you know. <laughs> That's uh, the way to go. Little dead blood sprinkled in there. Frozen dead blood. They will never even
2: know what hit them. Yeah. You just like hear a thud. You (laughs) hear a thud and you're like, oh, it's done.
0: It's done. That sounds so stress-free. That is the best way for sure.
2: Oh my God. Tananarib, do I adore you. I adore you. You complete me. Oh, thank you. I adore you. It has been a joy to talk interview with a vampire with you this entire season. Thank you for visiting us time and time again. You are an invaluable resource. Well, thank you for inviting me. And I had a super fun time talking
0: to you, too. And you are a hard-hitting journalist. Give yourself proper credit. Okay,
2: thank you. <laughs> okay, wow, 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 wow. I've been anointed. I've been anointed. <laughs> this is better than being turned. Actually, no, you've just turned me. It's like you're my baker, oh, but as a journalist, okay, I'm not a vampire. Okay, okay, that works. <laughs> thank you so much. This is fun. You heard it here first. Professor Tenanarif Du has decided that I am, in fact, a hard-hitting journalist. That's the validation I've been looking for all season.
3: Hello, my name is Abo, and I have been a fan of Anne Rice for well over 20 years now. As a brown, queer man, it's amazing to watch the characters that have been a part of my life come to life on my TV screen in a whole new light. Also another thing on the podcast where you ask the guest which American cities seem exciting for vampires and she said no cities in America seem exciting. I don't think a lot of people know about the San Francisco underground secret city about how when San Francisco fell apart in the 1906 earthquake a new San Francisco was built over that. So there's all these tunnels people talk about how there's this like underground society of like potentially vampires some people say that live under there so there's a reason Anne Rice wrote about San Francisco in Interview with the Vampire.
2: (gasps) Underground cities of San Francisco okay this changes everything I gotta start googling and learning about that now I know the season is over but folks our podcast ain't done yet. I really don't know when to let go. We have one more episode for you, and I want to hear your reactions to the finale. Call in to 888-788-VAMP. That's 888-788-8267. Next week, we'll be joined by Asad Zaman, who plays Rashid. I mean, Armand and we'll also be joined by the geniuses behind Interview with the Vampire, showrunner Rollin Jones and executive producer Mark Johnson. I have so many questions for these two Caucasians. And I've got some extra surprises for you, so you better listen in. Thank you for listening to the AMC Plus Interview with the Vampire podcast. You can stream the entire first season of Interview with the Vampire right now on AMC Plus. For an extended 30-day free trial of AMC Plus, go to amcplus.com and use promo code INTERVIEWPOD. That's interview E-O-D. We have one more podcast episode left this season. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss it. This is an AMC Networks podcast produced in partnership with Pineapple Street Studios. Our executive producers at AMC Networks are Kevin Dreyfus, Celia Quinette, and Brian Swarth. Our executive producers at Pineapple are Gabrielle Lewis, Barry Finkel, Max Linsky, and Jenna Weiss-Berman. Our managing producer is Bria Mariette. Our producers are Ben Goldberg and Aaron Kelly. Our associate producer is Natalie Parrott. Darby Maloney is our editor. Mixing and Engineering by Hannes Brown. Thank you to Jacob Anderson, Sam Reed, and Tananarive Du for joining us. And I am Naomi Ekparrigan.
0: The views, information, or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of AMC Networks and its employees.